It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Zach Taylor had a Zoom press conference today, and we weren't invited, but we still listened. And friend of the show, former host of the show, now with SI.com, James Rapine was invited. And so I am sad that we were not invited. But James is credentialed media now, so that is really what it was. They were all credentialed with the Bengals, and we are not credentialed with the Bengals, and my understanding is that won't be happening anytime soon, but we are working on our own stuff, hoping to have Zach Taylor on the podcast before the draft. Hoping. It sounds like it's a maybe. That's all I got for you guys. But we're going to talk about his press conference. A couple teams told former GM Michael Lombardi that they flunked to a tongue of Viola in their medical process. We're going to talk about that a little bit too. And we got a question about LaVisca Chanel. We're just going to talk about the Bengals for the rest of the show. But first, we're going to talk about this press conference and the most interesting things that Zach Taylor said because he's just so good at saying nothing. Joe, Zach Taylor is a master of saying nothing in these press conferences, and that's mostly what we got, even though Fox 19's Jeremy Rao almost tricked him into answering a question about picking a quarterback with a cleverly worded phrase of, how much would drafting a quarterback impact the Bengals? And Zach Taylor even acknowledged him and said, you know what, that's a clever way of trying to make me answer that question. And then he proceeded to not answer the question because that's one of his best skill sets, I think. But one thing that he said that I found very interesting was he was asked about the future of the offensive line. And instead of talking about, you know, we've got Michael Jordan at left guard, we've got Xavier Suofilo at right guard, he talked about, he talked about several different names. For the guard position, he evoked Billy Price, Michael Jordan, Xavier Suofilo, Alex Redmond. And then when he was talking about the tackles, he talks about Fred Johnson. So to me, while this does maybe speak a little too glowingly about some of these back of the roster types that are going to be competing. I think that this is also acknowledging that because it's a competition, this isn't set in stone. They might not be quite as settled as we thought on the offensive line, Joe. Yeah, my ears perked up on that too. And it was nice seeing him face to face in that meeting. It like, you know, cause normally in the press conference, it's kind of a distance from the camera, but you could see the changes in his facial expressions during some questioning or, or even answers. And I think during there, he almost stopped short of saying, and whoever we bring in, right? Did you get that feeling that he was going to say we're like, they expect to spend a pick on the offensive line. And of course they do. Right. But 
I think depending on where that pick is, if it's second round, third round, maybe even fourth round could compete. Not Typically not as rookies, but if you do spend a second or third, I think those guys are in the competition right away. So uh, I got that feeling of him just stopping short there of saying they expect to bring someone in that can compete, which to me is a, still a premium pick. There was a little bit too much discussion about Fred Johnson, Michael Jordan taking a step. They talked about, I think, alluding to the scheme fit. They talked about liking the things Xavier Suofilo did compared to what they do. So we've talked about that in terms of his ability to pull and his athleticism. But still, just talking about these guys taking a step, to me, means I know that we don't have a good enough offensive line right now. Mm-hmm. If none of these guys take a step, we're in trouble. So we're not as complacent, maybe, as you think we are. The one thing I thought was interesting was... He kind of said that with the Zoom meetings and the relaxed um, rules on them, because typically you can meet with 30 players or you're traveling a lot to meet with those guys at pro days. Uh, You get 30 guys that can come in and visit. With the restrictions set on how much time you can spend with a player, three meetings a week, one hour at a time, he said it's basically unlimited. You want to meet with 100 players now? You can. It's just you have to manage how much time you spend with them rather than how many players you can talk to, which is a great thing because, I, you know, some teams and some organizations are, are kind of playing the fear card and the, the uneasiness of this whole process. But he seemed very confident in this. Like, you know, he's excited. He kept saying, I'm excited to see how this shakes out as if there's going to be different variables, of course, in this process. But that doesn't mean they have to be bad ones. So far, he's given us every reason to trust him, too. And this is something that has kind of occurred to me recently because he's talked a big game about, you know, we're going to go out into free agency. People are going to be excited to come here. People are going to see what we're building here and and they're going to buy in. Or if they don't buy in, you know, they're not going to be the right fit. And he's been talking about, you know, we've been on the same page since day one. James asked a question. James Rapine from SI.com asked a question in this press conference. And it was, you know, is this what you envisioned? For your first free agency or your or, or the next free agency when you signed on a year ago and he's like yeah we've been on the same page since day one and we've been hearing that refrain and we're seeing the actions bear that out and i think that is pretty important because zach taylor's talked a really big game and every time after a loss he'd sit there and say you know what we thought we had a good game plan we felt really good going into the game well maybe we should have believed him a little bit more than we did yeah, that's, those, are, those are good points there. And the, the other question or comment I found interesting in this was because there was a lot of questions about the, th- the technology and how you're going to use it and how it's going to all work together during the 10 minutes you're on the clock at each different pick. And he was kind of relaxed about it. And I didn't even think of this. It didn't dawn on me. We've talked about the advantages of them picking number one and coaching the senior bowl. But one of the huge advantages are you are not going to be on the clock in the first pick for the second round or to kick off the fourth round if they hold on to those first picks. So uh, they'll have 12 hours to make those decisions. They're not on the clock scrambling with the whole draft room for a five-minute span. Yeah, and I think that is pretty important for those picks at the top of each round. But I do wonder, and this is going to be a challenge for every team, I'm sure many of you have had Zoom meetings. Anybody that has meetings at their job, anybody that has an office job where you can work from home, you've probably had a Zoom meeting. And if more than one person is talking in a Zoom meeting, you can't hear anything. It's like when Joe and I talk at the same time in the podcast, except Zoom will muffle people. So you hope that the people that need to talk have open communication 
I'm sure they'll figure it out. I honestly think that instead of Zoom, these teams should be using just like a, a telephone conference line. Because then if multiple people are talking, you can hear that multiple people are talking. And then you can figure out who needs to shut up so that the right voice gets through. Yeah. I'm sure they'll figure it out. And this is a benefit for the Bengals maybe having a younger coaching staff. But I, I do think the communication will be harder for those picks that aren't at the top of the round. One interesting question I also liked was, uh, was it Jay Morrison? I can't remember now. Anyways, typically he said you have a draft board. You've got all the names. Oh, yeah. You've got the mm -hmm. magnets of everyone behind you. How are you going to conduct it? Is everyone going to have a board in their house? Are you going to just send out printouts for everyone? And like, here's our final board, guys. Cross them off like it's a fantasy football draft. Or, and I'm thinking in my head, like, it's going to be a spreadsheet. You're yeah. going to pull up and you're going to send that to everyone. You're going to, you know, go through it as you go because things change not only when you finally set your board to during the draft. You know, there's been Leal Collins and other issues that have popped up right during the draft or Dennis Weathersby getting into a car accident the day before. Um, so, you know, you'd like to be able to make that fluid, I bet. Yeah, and they'll just share it, right? You'll just have mm -hmm. it. Duke Tobin will have the sheet open on his screen and he'll share his screen on Zoom. And everyone will be looking, or maybe it'll be a Google Doc or something more secure maybe, but it'll be on a shared drive somewhere so that multiple people can be in it at the same time if they need to. There, there are some concerns that came up today. Adam Schefter tweeted about uh, IT people not wanting to go to the GM's house because they're worried about transmission or, or vice versa. I'm sure they'll figure it out. The draft yeah. is going to happen. I, I can't see it being delayed at this point, but... Let's talk about some other NFL draft news that's been going on in the world, including the Michael Lombardi report that Tua got flunked by a couple teams for his injury history, not just the hip, but the whole deal. We'll talk about Tua and the rest of what's going on in the draft world in just a minute. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. Think of all the amazing things in life that are expressions of you, your favorite football team, what you wear to the playoff watch party, that song that you stream over and over to get you pumped up for the gym, or the recommendations that you share with your friends on the top six comedy podcasts that are best to listen to on a long road trip, or even your new haircut, which may or may not be an epic bowl cut from the 90s and hopefully is. Everything that makes you, you makes all the difference. State Farm believes insurance should work the same way. Your plan, your coverage selections can be personalized by you. And the ability to choose the plan you want by picking the options that fit you, like choosing to bundle your home and auto policies, is what the State Farm Personal Price Plan is all about. Getting the coverage you want at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Former NFL GM Michael Lombardi, he now hosts a podcast on The Athletic, but he said sources have told him multiple teams have flunked Tua Tungvaloa on his medicals. And what does that mean for the Bengals? Well, probably not Nothing. much because the Bengals are, well, I was, I was, right. You're right, Jake. But what I was going to say is, if, and I think this is the thing, right, if you were entertaining a trade back, if you're one of those teams that are unsure of his medicals, then you don't touch him probably. I I could still see a scenario where he falls a little bit if the truth is that, you know, because there's been some reports that the Dolphins prefer Justin Herbert, and maybe that's why, because of the clean medicals. At that point, where does Tua go? How far does he fall? It only takes one team. And only two teams have flunked him. But that probably means that others have concerns. And it's not just the hip. 
It's mm. they point to a broken wrist. Apparently he had it repaired and it broke again. It was reported as a thumb and hand injury, I think, at the time, but I, I think that Lombardi's calling it a broken wrist. Apparently he's broken a wrist twice. He's mm. sprain the the ankle sprains and and the hip. But the thing with the ankle sprains is um they were uh elective surgeries to get him back faster. Yeah. So it's weird to me that, that those are seen as red flags. But I guess some of these old school guys are like, he's brittle. And and he used those terms for Tua Tungavailoa. He's brittle is how Michael Lombardi described him. And and I don't know if that's fair because you could say that about Tyler Eifert and forever. I've said Tyler Eifert is an injury prone. He's unlucky. And you look at Tua's injuries, for the most part, I feel like they're just unlucky. Yeah, but some people don't think that's a thing. Some people think you create your own luck because you're brittle, you are unlucky. <laughs> and we think of how this affected Teddy Bridgewater. Remember, a lot of people had him as a top five prospect in the entire draft. That was a good class, too. And they were like, ah, you know, he's got weak knees, he's got uh, skinny ankles and wrists. And, well, he did just shred his knee, not just, but he did shred his knee a couple years later on nothing, on, on, on air. So maybe they were right about that. But what was the effect? is he ends up going, I believe, the last pick or the 31st pick in the first round. Man, I wonder if we see a fall like that for Tua. I think that would be precipitous. I think that there would be an opportunistic team that would snatch him up before it got to that point because, well, actually, you know what? I wonder how many teams have actually done their due diligence. I wonder I how many teams, like, it's, you can't get them. At, he's posting these videos where he looks good, but that doesn't mean things are structurally sound. So, And does every team trust the medical evaluation yeah. from that Tennessee doctor? No. Right. So that's the hard part. So say if there's even 10 teams that are interested in him, if two have flunked him or half aren't even considering him because of the injury, because they can't in this year, in the, in the situation, you know, do the, is, does that mean the Patriots? Do they luck out? Man. You know, they're in the 20s and two is still there. That would be, that'd be interesting. It would be. Another report is from Tony Pauline. He says, Jordan Love is a good possibility for the Las Vegas Raiders. You know, I think that that was an interesting fallback option for the Dolphins, too. So that's mm-hmm. an interesting one for me. I could see, I was thinking, like, I could see a scenario where the Dolphins go, like, whoever falls. Maybe Jeff Akuda falls. Maybe other teams are trading up for quarterbacks and Jeff Akuda, and they can't get it done. Maybe they go right. Jeff Akuda at five or something if he's still there. And, and then they get Jordan Love later. At 18. Um, yeah, but the Oakland picks ahead of Before them. Before them, yep. yeah. So 15, I want to say. And 19 as well or something? like They have two first-rounders. Maybe from the what? other one's in the 20s. Can't remember. They another, from trading Antonio Brown <laughs> to the Patriots. No, not really. Not, not the, uh, the – I it's, don't know why they would – It's from the Khalil Mack trade. It's the Bears pick. Ah, yes, you are right. And they also have their third, I believe it is. You're right on that. Um yeah, so Tony Pauline saying Jordan Love. I think that's exactly what John Gruden has been talking about. He wants a guy that can go off script. He wants a guy that can create plays when his play call isn't perfect. He's every time he's had a chance to talk about those type of quarterbacks, he just seems to light up about it. So where where uh, are you on on Jordan Love's profile? Our risk profile says don't pick him because right. your not his the production is is not his production isn't there. He, he's a real like. Patrick Mahomes is the comparison, right? People talk about he's got Mahomes arm talent. You look at it two years ago. Mahomes had the production. And Mahomes was 21. Yeah. And that was a big difference. You know, he was producing like that. Mahomes was producing like that at 20. 
at 19. Um, Love was not. And Love is not coming off his best year. He should have come out last year. And once they lost the coach there at Utah State, he should have just been gone if he could have. I don't remember the timeline if the coach left afterwards, after you can declare. Uh, but he should have if he could have. And, you know, it, it, it hurt him. Because I, I can see a scenario where he goes to the Raiders in the first round. I can see a scenario where the Raiders like him, but it's round two and he's still yeah. there. I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen Hurts went over Jordan Love, and he probably should. You think he should? Yeah, he probably should. His his there's much less risk in Jalen Hurts' profile than it is for Jordan Love. I have a really hard time seeing Jalen Hurts being a starting quarterback in the NFL. I know. I've had a hard time with a lot of high upside create and backyard quarterbacks, and they've seem to work out. You know, you give them a little bit of time, you you build around them and they, they seem to at least produce at a decent level. I think there's confirmation bias. Like we've had a few hits lately and that's got us, that's got us too high on some of these guys. Cause there's just as many guys that aren't working out. I think like Josh Allen is a good example of this. We, we talk about right. the Josh Allen barometer. I wouldn't want Josh Allen. Like I, I would take it if I had it, but that's not something that I'm seeking. And, like and people that's... compare Herbert to jo- to Josh Allen, and I'm like, well, that's not selling me. No, that's that's exactly why we don't like Herbert, right? Because he's got all well, these physical tools, and so does Josh Allen, and it just doesn't it doesn't translate. I think Herbert's right. probably a slightly better prospect, or maybe like significantly better, maybe just better. He's a better prospect than Josh Allen, but th- there's still that that sort of style that scares me off. Allen had a huge risk profile in terms of production. His production was terrible. Uh, and so at least you don't have that with Herbert. You actually have good production from him. I, I think the thing for me on Hertz is that there's nothing really he lacks. I think sometimes I hate to judge anyone's mental and when we're doing evaluation because it's hard to see from the outside. But I don't know if he processes as quickly as I would like. And I think that's what's going to put him into round two. But in the round two, I think that's definitely worth it. I mean, in, in this, you want to take Jacob Eason or Jake Fromm, or you want to take Jalen Hurts. And I think it's easily Hurts. Yeah, I guess so. I think it's just a Jordan Love question. Because I think for, from our the way we're doing it in our sheet, which is if you've been following along for, for the last year, you know what, what we do. We produce a number. We produce a ranking. But – it's really a risk profile. So we're taking a tape grade and we're trying to bake into the grade the the risk. So for Jordan Love, his production score is is abysmal. So we're we're taking his tape grade, which is not great either. It's pretty average. We've got a really great upside grade on him. We take his 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 production score and we put that all together and we find out oh Jordan Love is uh, more risky to draft than Jake Fromm. And maybe yeah. we haven't docked enough points for Jake from sub nine inch hands yet, but uh, it's, right. it's, we, it's we still a significant risk. And and it still puts him you know, below Jacob Eason, who doesn't have size concerns. He has similar productivity concerns. Yeah, right. And that's that's the hard part is guys have worked out even with a risk profile, but it, you have to decide on when you want to take them. Even go all the way up to – Joe Burrow, there are risks. We have talked about it. I mean, his age, while it passes the threshold, is higher than you typically would like. It's not optimal. Drafting a 21-year-old is optimal. Um, arm strength, that would be optimal. Hand size, that would be optimal to have a guy with a bigger, stronger arm with bigger hands. Those are 
risks uh, that are added to his profile. Actually, the production in only one year of high-end production isn't killing him too much. Uh, it, it, it has affected his overall grade, but um, there are risks even with his. So you're always going to have some level that you have to accept. And I think quarterback, we end up accepting more often because the, the payout is huge. Here's what I don't understand about the production scores is why does a different year matter so much? Joe Burrow in the last two years has 915 pass attempts. In Tua mm. Tagovailoa's college career, he had 684 pass attempts. Joe Burrow's numbers are better than Joe Burrow's over two years, but his production it's... score is lower. So why does it matter so much that it's a different year if Joe Burrow had as many pass attempts in one year almost as Tua did in his whole career? The part of doing it at 21 versus doing it at 23 okay. is the difference there. Right. And that, so if a guy does that at 21 and he's almost as productive as Joe Burrow at 23, he ends up coming out higher. Yeah, that's fair. I, uh, you know, am highly biased in this yeah, right now right. because we're going to have Joe Burrow and not Tua. But even still, I want to make an argument that Burrow, his story, his narrative makes me want to kind of dismiss the the analytic concerns because he comes in as a late grad transfer and they change the offense entirely in the second year there. And, and then he just pops off. So that makes me want to say, you know what, his production score, I'm not worried about it at all. And well, it's, it's not bad, though. He passes the threshold. He passes the threshold, but he doesn't hit the average. Right. His, his, what we're saying is he passes the threshold to be an all-pro quarterback. So there's been way worse quarterbacks in terms of production that end up being all pros in the NFL. But Not way worse. Well, He, he barely hit that threshold. They, right. But there's been quarterbacks is what I mean. That's what I wanted to say. And then the average guy, the average all-pro guy looking at his production profile from college is a little bit higher than what Joe Burrow um, scored. So, Which is just crazy because he just had the best – college football quarterback season ever and it goes just, by career though i know i just think that uh i'm being biased right now and and i'm I'm not looking at the at the analytics here i just think that i just think this most recent year should count like more i guess just because it was so outstanding but i did want to make one other point here warren sharp sharp football today tweeted that play callers with high first down pass rates Strive for efficient completions, and Burrow operated the second most pass-heavy offense we've seen for a first-round QB behind only Patrick Mahomes. And despite this high pass rate, Joe Burrow's yards per attempt completion rate destroyed anything we've ever seen. So the the first-down pass rate for the LSU offense was 63.4%, which is behind only the Texas Tech Patrick Mahomes, Red Raiders, 65.5% 2016. But Joe Burrows ranks across the board first for yards per attempt, first for touchdown percentage, first for completion percentage. The only thing he's not first at is interception percentage. So I guess all of his interceptions must have come on first downs this year because he only threw six. Yeah, I can remember a few on first downs. So that makes sense to me I, when I saw the data. This is good data, though. It says that Joe Brady trusted him a lot. And Man, I actually um, got a good tip or a heads up on something. We should save that for the next segment, actually. We'll do that, Jake. We'll talk about that. Yeah, we're going to talk about Joe's spoiler here. I'm on the edge of my seat. I hope you're on the edge of your seat. We're going to talk about that. And the draft needs is defined by Roto World, including one position that Joe and I 
don't Fuck really that. agree with. No, we've got a five minutes on what I'm about to talk about. We're not even going to get to that. We'll get to Roto World tomorrow. We might get to Roto World tomorrow. Tomorrow, of course, is the mailbag. So we'll see. We'll see if we get to Roto World tomorrow because we've talked about the needs as Joe and I see them. And that's all that really matters, right, guys? We'll get to Joe's fun thought that I know nothing about in just a minute. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I got a call the other day uh, from a buddy that works in pro football, and he said, hey, I just wanted to let you know, um, just an interesting thought that people were talking about and want to see if you noticed any of this. Um, he goes, well, if you watch the LSU's offense, and I'll send you a tape of all their empty sets, and he did. So we've got that, Jake, When we want, if we want to review Joe Burrow tape. It just goes straight up all, yeah, five-man protection stuff. He goes, so what? this is what they figured out. They went to Joe Burrow, and this is stuff we know so far. They went to Joe Burrow. They said, what do you like? What do you want to run? Joe Brady asked him. He goes, I, I really like as many options as possible. So if we can go five protection, I can get everyone out there. I feel like I can get through all my reads. I can see the whole field. I'll, I'll find the open guy. They said, great, that's what we'll do. And here's another added benefit. We'll do five-man protection so much, um, or at least that'll be our staple of the offense, that we will know what the other team is doing because they're only going to see five-man protections a handful of times on their previous opponents. So they, you know, we'll watch the film. We'll see what their five-man protection defensive looks are and adjustments, and we'll have them down, no problem. And we'll know what their signs are on the sideline. So when you get to the sideline, and and, we, and you'll see it in five-man uh, protection, they'll they'll get to the line, do a dummy call. Burrow will step back, look to the look to his sideline. They'll make the call as they do in college. But what this guy was suggesting, and other SEC teams are concerned with, is were the LSU Tigers stealing our defensive signs because we're, we only had a couple of them for five-man empty protection, um, and. They were like, well, maybe. And so this is the conversation I had with the guy. And I'm like, you know, I did notice that when I watch, he goes, here, I'll send you the film. You see if you can tell if there's anything looking a little weird or odd when they go to just five-man protection. And now I don't think this was a knock on Burrow or LSU as much as teams are like, man, they just destroyed us. What were they doing? You know, did they know our calls? Well, you know, we had no answer for them no matter what we did. And I think it really limited what defenses could do because you only have so much built in there. I think that's why Clemson really got them in that first quarter. And then after that, they had them, right? It seemed like we know what what you're doing. We know what's coming. Let's go. And the other part is he goes, but I'm not worried about it in terms of evaluation of Burrow because he makes so many plays off script. And I said, right, me too. I'm the same way. Joe Brady was great, but Burrow also made him look even better than he was probably. Well, there's no reason the Bengals can't do something similar. In fact, that's part of the staple of their offense. They come out with the same personnel pretty much every play. And they line up in the same formations as much as they can. That's something that Zach Taylor's talked about. We try to do the same thing out of the same look so we get as much information about the defense as possible. Going to a five-man protection just makes that more extreme. Now, do the Bengals have the offensive line to handle this is the common question that I think is on all, all your minds. The answer is protections across the NFL and college hold up better in five-man protection than in six- and seven-man protection. Teams get better pass protection. I do find that really interesting, though. In the year that the Astros have been eviscerated for sign-stealing 
Right. There's the same thought about, yeah, maybe, maybe LSU's out there stealing signs. Maybe that's why they're so good. But I'm with you. The, the, the off script stuff, every time you start to criticize Joe Burrow, you're like, oh, yeah, but this. But right. that, like, yeah, but, yeah. But there's, that's there's, so good. Every, everything's mitigated. Everything has an answer. Yeah, I just found it interesting when he said that because I, I just got done watching a few games of Burrow because I do that sometimes. I'm like, ah, throw this game on. It's a good it's time. It's so nice. Man. Right. Throw it's so on nice. <laughs> the Oklahoma game and just like sit back and oh. grab a beer and just have a good time. My favorite game is actually the Clemson game just because you see him respond to adversity in a way that you don't. Like he was getting destroyed. He was getting hit more than he had for most of the season. And yeah. just had to get the ball out on un- their guys coming in unblocked, like every other play, and just watching him bounce back from that. Watching him make plays under that kind of pressure is a lot of fun. Joe, I remember the thing I wanted to talk about. So let's finish this up and then we'll get to that. Okay. What is it? Oh, your thing. No, I'm done with mine. You're done uh, with your thing. Okay. Yeah, you just jump in. So Travis Wingfield, our old friend mm-hmm. Travis, sent me a direct message today. Uh, he now works for the Dolphins, of course. And he used to do the Locked On Dolphins podcast. And he saw my tweet of the PFF mock that I did where I traded I traded the first round pick. And I was like, here's the Godfather offer. And even this feels dirty. But the offer I took was five first round picks, four second round picks for number one. And at that point, I think everyone would kind of be like, uh, yeah, that's a lot of picks. Right. right. You can make. That's that's nine premium players you're adding to your team. That might be enough to make up for a quarterback. I mean, that's the 49ers going to the Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo at that point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you hit on, you know, even half these picks. And he, he sends me a direct message and he's like, this just shows why the Dolphins will never make that trade. Right. And and he, he actually said, this shows why we will never make that trade because he is the Dolphins now. Mm. <laughs> but he said... He said, he's ta- he said, Chris Greer said multiple times he'd rather have three players than one player. It's just not going to happen. It's all smoke. So on both sides, you got us telling you, y'all are out of your damn minds if you think the Bengals are trading this pick. And then you got you got Travis telling you that the GM for the Miami Dolphins, Chris Greer, said multiple times he'd rather have three picks than one. I just thought this was a very interesting, quick conversation yeah. Travis and I had. Yeah, because it's only a conversation when the Dolphins are winning. As soon as the Bengals like get to a point of winning that trade, that everyone's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa okay, this is this isn't really happening for both sides." And and that's what I've been saying for a while, right? Any trade the Bengals would take would cripple the Dolphins' rebuilding effort and yep. would doom whoever they took. If it's Joe Burrow, the only resource you have at that point is money, and we're seeing the Bears right now struggling. They've got the premium edge rusher. They've got their first overall quarterback, and now they don't have the draft capital to build around him. And everyone's like, ah, well, now they traded for Nick Foles. Well, good luck. Tomorrow we'll be back with the mailbag because the Bengals will not be in the position of the Chicago Bears. The Bengals will have both their quarterback, draft picks, and money. So tomorrow we would like the mailbag to focus on the process. So if you have questions about the way we're putting our board together, mm-hmm. if you have questions about the way we go about doing our evaluations, let's get those questions in. Certain prospects, how do we feel about them? What do we like? What do we don't like? I would love those questions. Yeah. And we and, and I know that a lot of you have asked a lot of those questions and we haven't been ready for them, but we're getting to the point where we have the risk profile put together. We've got the tape grades going in. Mm-hmm. So it's time, it's time for those questions. So if you've got yeah. a guy... 
ask us uh, about process, ask us about a prospect. But if you ask us about a prospect, specify what round you think that prospect will be available because that every time we get asked about a prospect, it's like, what do you think about Michael Pittman? Well, I really like him in round three and round two, I have some serious questions. Right. For example, I'm not even sure if we like Michael Pittman in round three because of his production uh, profile. But oh. anyway, get those questions in tomorrow. We'll put the thread up around midday and we'll we'll get through as many questions as we can, as we always do. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.